really do. You're a 21-year-old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording above the butcher shop in beautiful Spring Valley with my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. We made it out of uh, San Diego Egg Fest week and Ace Barbecue Fest, and we've kicked off National Barbecue Month. Yeah, not even that. Fucking Cinco de Mayo. Woo. That was the one that whipped my ass. The, the Barbecue Fests are fun and exciting, and you know what's even more fun? Is not throwing them. Yeah, that was actually kind of cool. To <laughs> that that be, is very true. Be a guest at them and not have to deal with the <laughs> fucking health department and deal with all the ins and outs of uh, organizing all that. But it was great. the The events went great, and Cinco de Mayo absolutely kicked my ass. The busiest Cinco de Mayo I've ever had at the store. I was uh, very impressed. I came in to pick up some carne asada and some pollo asada. We were uh, almost out. From that your never team, happens. they were fired up. They were ready to go, and we uh, we cooked. That was probably that. earlier in the week then because they weren't oh, as came, fired up. Oh, I came in right right when you opened. I'm oh, not stupid. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was eventful, man. Like I said, the busiest Cinco de Mayo we've had. We beat last year's total by seventeen thousand dollars. That's insane. Just on Cinco de Mayo. That's just insane growth. Which is, I mean, it's it's good. It's positive. I think it's the way it fell too because it fell on a Saturday instead yeah, of a Friday. So that's true. Um, it only happens once every seven years. I noticed you're hiring. We are hiring. You're hiring took, for I all took positions. A, a, um, a trick out of my good friend's bag, yours. Oh, yeah. And I put a video out. I saw so, that. I love the video. Yeah. Yeah, and recruiting video. We we're actually, already getting a lot of uh, very interesting applications and people that are pretty fired up to come on. It's very cool to live in a day and age where you don't have to put a Craigslist post out just to get somebody to apply to the butcher shop or the restaurant. Well, something that I really, what hits home with me is that. I'm talking to people that are on my Facebook page and they might have a cousin or they might have a kid or they might know somebody that's in need of a job that isn't look, looking on Craigslist or isn't Correct. looking on Indeed or Correct. maybe is just unhappy with where they're at and didn't even think about moving jobs yet until I said, hey, I got a assistant barbecue manager position available. And they're like, well, you know, what? I fucking love barbecue. Maybe that's something I can do. So we'll see. I noticed you communicate that in your video and I was very proud of that. That's- What's that? The, the fact that if you have a friend and if you're listening to this or if you have a family member, I mean, that's the power of Facebook. It's the level of connection. I mean, we talked about it with Adam Harris when he was on the Cloudbeds podcast. You know, the six degrees of separation is it's now, three now now more like three because of the Internet, which is crazy. Um, yeah. But that's really exciting. And, uh, you know, I did want to thank the guys from Big Green Egg. Uh, they did an incredible job putting They're on San, cool Diego, guys. San Diego Egg Fest. Yeah. Jim. Becker, who's going to be out at Del Mar, um, him and his team, and Jan and uh, Brian Bushfield and his family. Uh, we even got Jim Trotter to buy an egg. He came down with uh, Ben, ben, ben Higgins came down there. Scotty Kaplan already was an egg owner. Yeah. Uh, ben Higgins is an egg owner. And now Trotter actually just a couple hours ago just got his – Brian went down and got his big green egg set up. So That's awesome. No, it's cool because you, you start to see some of these guys who take so much pride in their product, you know, like big green egg. Just watching them and, and how excited they are about what they do, it's exciting to have their product and you know they stand behind it. So, well, they're boots on the ground. That's, that's what I love is yeah. that those guys don't have, they're not not afraid to get dirty. Right, and you know they learn a lot just by doing that stuff. Um, I am dirty. 
So for those of you tuning in for the first time, this is a business and digital marketing podcast. We go live on Facebook. Um, this Facebook comes out uh, different times throughout the week, but the podcast is published every single Friday. And for us, we dig deep into the things that go wrong in business, um, the shit like the voicemail from my former business partner uh, before we opened up Cali Comfort Barbecue. And for us, it's just really cool to go on this podcasting journey. It's been just over a year and we get to interview all kinds of people doing really cool stuff. And today's guest, Tabitha Lipkin, um, is one of the rock stars in San Diego. She uh, has such a diverse background and for her to take the time in her busy schedule to come uh, above the butcher shop and record with us, we're just honored and uh, welcome to Behind the Smoke. Yeah, thank you ha for having me. Uh, my first question is, you guys, you were talking about eggs, right? Yes. You were, you were getting people to buy eggs. It's a little easier than getting people to buy, I guess, sperm. sperm <laughs> right, right. That's, so, yeah, that's it's, good. It's I'm glad you guys true. were successful with that. This is true. Yes. Very, I mean, but yeah. You should have seen the health department when they yeah. came down. So there's two guys, younger guys, and they had their clipboards, and they were ready to start inspection, and they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, they were, they thought it was an egg fest. Like they thought they had to go and see like chickens. Like it was like chicken farmers bringing eggs and oh, they were wow. just like, Oh, this is much easier for us to do than yeah. fucking good. E. coli inspection. Yeah. But that's probably something that we need to take into account that we Marketing. need to market better. <laughs> and it's barbecue. Barbecue. Eggs. The, the barbecue is called a big green egg. Um, we are not selling chicken eggs. This is true. This is true. So Tabitha, give us a little bit of the origin story, how you got to, uh, be the utility player for Fox five San Diego. Oh guys, I don't, uh, you don't even know where luck. to begin, right? It was a lot of luck. These honestly, I think in life things are 90% hard work and 10% luck and you can, you can work and work and work and you almost get there, but I like to think I've been pretty lucky so far. Well, you've created a lot of your own luck. I like to think, I mean, just Thank looking you. at your diverse background, your resume, you wouldn't put yourself in so many different positions if you weren't eager to learn more and eager to learn more from other people. And really, you know, it's back to storytelling and tell us kind of how you got into journalism and why you wanted to be in media. Wow. So I, um, I actually went to school for broadcast journalism. I went to the University of Texas in Austin, and um, I knew from the day that I set foot on campus, I wanted to work in broadcast journalism. It's something I've always wanted to do from the time I was a kid, and it was because um, I always found people really interesting, and I like telling their stories. And, um, and a bit of that also is I like to travel, because I think that the world is such an incredible place. There's so many people to meet and places to see and, and stories to tell, so I thought the best way for me to do that that would to study broadcast journalism and then uh, jump right in. Well, that's that's good, and I know you're talking about you know luck, but I mean it's kind of funny. The the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? So, it's true. I mean, if you just put in that that extra hard work, I mean you can make your own luck, and it's just, it just seems that's what you're doing right now is just kind of doing that. Um, talk to us about Texas, man. I mean we got some barbecue here uh, growing up from texas what's uh did we get you so for the food? facebook for people watching on facebook look i mean i'm so i'm beyond stoked these ribs by the way they're incredible so, they're i would say they might live up to texas standards i had one and it was pretty pretty damn good oh we appreciate that yeah derek when uh full court press and got you everything ahi pokey yeah the pokey the top the of tio top of tio what's that what's so that yeah you guys have to check out her um her, her, her Instagram page. Her Instagram page. <laughs> she is uh, spooning a bottle of Tapatio. So when I saw that, I knew I had to. Uh, My one true love. Yeah, show her uh, the new Tapatio. It's a, a sour cream that they're. They actually have a jalapeno, a chipotle, and a Tapatio. Tapatio makes all of them. And uh, Corey and I. 
we were uh, trying them out last week, and they're they're awesome. So um, that's our gift to you. Thank you. Yeah, Enjoy. I have a Tapatio inside me joke, but I'm going to move past it, and we'll keep going. We'll go back to this. We'll go back to the Tapatio. <laughs> we're all joke. for jokes. Yeah, we're all for Don't jokes. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Instagram. So your bio, which I like about Instagram and Twitter, they force you to keep things condensed and keep it tight. Um, your emoji game is on point, but Fox Five San Diego personality, Emmy Award winner. winner Former Miss Scuba International, Jetpack Pilot, Dive Master, Funny Girl, Longhorn. So let's reverse engineer that and go to Longhorn. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, went to the University of Texas and I have a lot of Texas pride. You're and selling I want meat people in Texas. Know. I did. So Tell people us. don't know that. Oh, gosh. So when I transitioned from high school into college, um, I found a real. it was hard for me to find work in Austin. And uh, I was a bartender because you can be a bartender at 18 in, um, in Texas with the right licensing. So I was a bartender. Um, in, what kind of licensing did you need? Um, it was like a, I guess you would call it like a. Like a lead certification. It was called TABC. Yeah. yeah. Texas um, Alcohol, Beverage, Tobacco. And um, so I took that test and I was a bartending at this place um, outside of Montgomery, which is where I went to high school, Montgomery, Texas. And I was commuting back and forth every weekend just to work. And I was burning a lot of gas. So I found this Craigslist ad looking for people to sell meat door to door. and uh, <laughs> Slinging meat in Texas. Slinging meat. And, and I did it. I did it for probably about a month or two months before I finally got a job. Was there a training? Job. There was. Like I went on like ride-alongs and I saw how people like sold door to door. Did you ever sell any meat? I did. I did. I sold a couple of boxes. It, I, I'm not a good seller. Okay. So if I don't believe in something, it's hard for me to be like, please that's so funny. buy it's, this. That's how I am too. Right? Yeah. If I don't believe it, I'm like, fuck, I um, should probably yeah. try it. No chance. Yeah. Like, yeah, you might like it. Yeah. Um, so I did that for, for a bit. And it was definitely um, one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Right. And one of the jobs I hated the most. Was it the rejection or was it the pitch oh, or it was, all it of it? It was the rejection. I'm, again... I, I even went in later into real estate and, and that, you know, is another level of selling. And I just don't think I'm a seller right. because I couldn't do it with that either. Well, you're yeah. a seller. You're just selling something different. Now. Yes. I'm selling selling myself. Well, there's selling some people stories. that can just go out and do like, I think we were talked about it when I used to do uh, life insurance and I'd have to go to people and talk to them about a bunch of know, uncomfortable stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you got to show me your, your yeah. finances and we got to do this and that. And it's for me, I did it for six months, almost a year. Um, and it was just extremely unfulfilling. I just had, there was nothing in it for me. I didn't get any, you know, besides the monetary gain, which was great. Um, it wasn't, uh, it didn't excite me. And, you know, like you said, I, I probably sucked at it. You know, the guys are probably like, man, you could probably do a lot better. I'm like, oh, I'm doing okay. But it's just something that I, I couldn't stand behind. So it's really hard to be a pushy, pushy salesman. Yeah. yeah, and some people are fine at it. Some people are really extremely good at it, and they're okay with rejection. And I, I just work way too hard to fucking be okay with losing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? I don't like it. And I feel like as we get older, like more of my friends are getting involved in these kind of pyramid schemey type of yes. things. Not necessarily, but they're selling things. And Beach like, body, yeah, and, all this and they're shit. reaching out to me because they know I have yeah, a social network. reach. There you go. Yeah, and, and it's close friends. And sometimes I don't know how to be like, oh, I don't yeah, know yeah, I'm like, that. keep that shit away from me. <laughs> Well, I mean, the pro, yeah, anytime that, you know, I remember when at one point I went to like a gym and I think it was 24 hour fitness, but they came and instead of giving me a brochure, they just took a piece of paper and they started writing down numbers. Wow. I was like, well, why are you writing down numbers? Like, shouldn't this be like your printed brochure of what your prices are? No, they're based off of, you know, whatever commission he can make off of me. And that kind of stuff just was like, uh, not, yeah. not feeling that. Yeah. Not the salesy people over here, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I hate getting sold something. 
like that when people are trying to manipulate you and you can just feel it. Yeah. Oh, it's the most off-putting thing for me. That's for sure. It's like at the mall when you walk by and they're like, come here. You want to yeah. try this? And yeah. they're like, no. That's right. Yeah, I know. I know what you're going to do. My, my wife just, she went down to Fashion Valley Mall and they did such an incredible job redeveloping that whole place, putting in all kinds of incredible brands. And then she said the last time she went there, there were all these little kiosks there, you know, and my wife loves the earth. She loves the environment. And she was so turned off by this person that just kept like putting the clipboard into her hand and saying, you know, she's there with our son. He's yeah. 10 months old. He's in the stroller. And she's just like, I don't even want to be here to yeah. go shopping. Like now you've totally ruined my experience. And Stuff like that is just not cool. So totally how, not cool. how was UT? I mean, talk, talk about the school itself. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, um, Big 12 is just incredible, just so you guys know. This, this, is, yeah. true. this is true. Big 12 is probably Solid. the best conference in the world. <laughs> Buffaloes. Yeah. Buffaloes. We used go. to be Big 12. We yeah. used to be Big 12. When too. I went to school there, we were Big 12. So you were. Cool. Yeah, you were. There's a lot of people that left now. We have like West Virginia that wasn't there when I was there. And, I don't know. Um, it's totally been re- realigned. TCU. TCU is in there now that wasn't there when yeah. we were there. Those horn frogs. But it was good? You had a good time there? It was an incredible experience. I made lifelong friends. I, I 100% would not be here today if I hadn't gone to the University of Texas, for yeah. sure. It's uh, For me, I know some of my best friends still are the the guys in college. And it was some of the things you go through. For me, playing sports, the stuff we had to go through and, and having that cohesiveness with people that have had to do the same thing. I mean, there's just a camaraderie there that you just kind of don't get with anybody else. And you're kind of out on your own for the first time. You're probably doing a lot of shit you shouldn't be doing. At least I was. And, uh, you know, so those, those um, experiences yeah. that you get with those people are just, you know, I know we talk about it sometimes when we get back together and they'll be telling me stories like, remember when you did this? I'm like, no, no, absolutely. But not. now that you said it, I yeah, fucking remember it. And I, totally I cannot believe that. I fucking did that. It's yeah. so wild. It's they so hold wild. on to those memories. You hope no one else ever sees you in those states, right? Right. So you're a you're a dive master. I am. Talk to me about that. You uh, started doing that out here, or I started that at the University of Texas. Really? Yeah, I got my original dive certification. There was a program that they had. It was just like a one credit elective that I took my uh, junior year of college, and uh, I'll never forget it because the final test is basically a you know a checkout dive. You do three dives to prove that you can dive within your environment, and it was December. It was the water was maybe forty five degrees. Really? And, oh like, yeah, like it was awful. Had to do it. What was that movie? Awful Which one? Cookie was it? A few good men. No? Cookie? Cookie? Not that? No. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a Corey. I don't know. Uh, Cookie? I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Scuba Steve. Scuba no. Steve. Obviously. Scuba Obviously Steve. Scuba Steve. I'll think of it. <laughs> and then what? The forty five degree. Oh, I mean, I've murky water, yeah. zero visibility. Exactly. It was in a lake, uh, Lake Travis, and. Um, I kept it going, and I ultimately became a dive master in 2015. That's really cool. And was was that that was after you became Miss International Scuba? Miss Scuba International, Miss yeah. Miss Scuba International. So I was I won the title in the end of 2014, and I reigned throughout 2015. So during my time That's as so Miss rad. Scuba International, I became a dive master because it's expensive. So it's not really a sport that um, you can get into unless you have Maybe a, a little access or sponsorship, especially for someone younger like myself, because I was, you know, 24 at the time, not really making a lot of money. Right. So uh, it was very helpful. Did you get that. sponsored? I did. Yeah, by who? Um, NAWI, which is the actual organization that does the licensing. Okay, cool. My How did you find out about this contest and what compelled you to 
apply. This is a crazy story, actually. Like, like you crazy, like crazy we stories? We like crazy stories. All right. So, um, a l- let's see. 2013, I entered some weird contest out of the country of Australia that was like giving away jobs, like the best jobs in the world. It was a tourism marketing How did you find out about it? This is something I saw online. I applied for it online. I became a top 25 finalist for one of the jobs. The only way this is significant is I met a girl through that whole process. Her name was Chanel. And Chanel... Um, and I stayed in touch. She was Miss Scuba International, or excuse me, Miss Scuba USA the year before I ended up going. And um, so what happened was we didn't have a representative from the United States for the next year, the year after her. And she knew I was a diver. So she came to me. She's like, hey, if you can get to Malaysia, um, everything once you're there is, is paid for and taken care of. And I was like, oh, man, like, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to, to to figure that out, sure. you know? It would be a week of diving, and she's like, you have to do this pageant stuff, but we'll, we'll figure that part out. And I was like, okay. I've never done a beauty pageant. It's not my thing, um, but it suddenly became my thing. And I was able to secure a sponsorship, actually, very luckily, through Body Glove, because the um, founders of Body Glove, their boat was next to my grandfather's boat back in the day in no Redondo way. Beach. Yeah. Wow. Really? So he connected me with the uh, current you know, uh, president. Did you know that at the time, or was this... Like a serendipitous No, it was connection. kind of a serendipitous really? connection. Yeah. That's cool. And um, they agreed to sponsor me, and I went. And it was kind of interesting because I was competing against other countries that already had full-fledged pageants to lead up to this big international pageant. <laughs> How did we not um, have that? That's crazy. It's it's kind of complicated. There's someone who had trademarked something that they thought, you know, that they owned the rights to. And then ultimately, it was just one of those, like, we don't feel like dealing with it. So we'll just pick someone to go. Right. Um, and then I won. And so it was like. Unbelievable. I was like, all right, well, it starts a whole <laughs> new chapter of my life. Right. Um, and it opened the door for me to get to travel and to meet a lot of really incredible people, like all the girls that I met when I was there from all over the world. I'm still friends with, mm-hmm. which I'm very, um, you know, it's really nice to know that I can kind of go anywhere and I can call someone up and be like, hey, like I'm coming to Indonesia and I'm coming to Dubai. Like, I'd love to see you. Was that one like really where you found your love for travel, you think? Or did you know you liked to travel before then? Like, yeah. You've always been a I've always wanted to travel. I've always done everything I could to try and travel. Yeah. I love traveling. I just don't have any time to do it. Now yeah, kids. I know it's tough, especially well, with kids. Bulgaria, though, so. I am going to Bulgaria. I'm taking a, my. He'll be one one years old when we take Colleen to Bulgaria. That's so great. When? 20, uh, June last week of June. Oh, congratulations! That's Thank you. Be awesome. It'll be our four, my fourteenth trip to Bulgaria. When are you coming back? Why do you go? Uh, coming back two weeks. I'm I'm staying there for two weeks. Okay. Rosie's staying until Del Mar. Wow. Why do you go so often? Uh, my wife's from Bulgaria. Oh, perfect. Yeah, she's my grandfather's from Bulgaria. But I met my wife. She was studying over here, and uh, she was studying English with a couple of her best girlfriends. And we found out that she was Bulgarian. My brother told me to come down to a bar that they were at down at Waterfront. And it's like, hey, I'm Bulgarian. She's like, no, you're not. And I started naming all these different <laughs> Bulgarian villages that wouldn't pop up on Google Maps. So that was a good in for me. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It is a funny story. I mean, just, uh, I mean, how many Bulgarians? She didn't speak any English when we first started dating. Really? Yeah. Did she have to work at all? Uh, When When she she was here? Yeah, she came here on a work visa. She was a painter. Really? She painted houses in the Glena. It was hilarious. Yeah, four in the morning, she'd wake up and paint houses. Wow. It was like some ridiculous, like, Ponzi scheme type thing where they weren't paying them the right wages. It was kind of fucked up, but yeah. She was painting residential houses. So she's going to stay three weeks after you? Yeah. With Colleen. Actually longer. She's going to wow. stay like six weeks. 
And then I'm going to be a single guy again. I don't even know how to do the laundry. It's, it's kind of terrible. <sighs> Fuck. She doesn't let me do the laundry or I'll screw it up. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's a trick. No, no, no. I already know this trick. Men pretend they can't do things <laughs> so they don't have to do them. I know this trick. That's a good that's, trick. That's very oh, true. I don't, that's do very true. I don't know Sorry. how to wash the dishes either. You know what my wife says to me? Then fucking buy more clothes. Yeah, yeah, buy some yes. more fucking clothes. I'm she not going to do I like it. your wife. Yeah, she doesn't do my laundry. She does the boys' laundry and hers. And uh, But yeah, that would be cool, though. Be single for a little while and... I don't know about down. single, but I'll be uh, I'll be working on getting ready for Del Mar. Yeah. Tell us, uh, Tabitha, about digital marketing and kind of when you started building your brand and when you knew that social was important um, kind of in your career path and kind of what you wanted to do. You know, it's it's been interesting to be in television at a time like this because I feel like we're in a very big shift in which we're in a position as local news where we're seeing what happened in newspapers 10, 15 years ago. Yes. Um, I knew this kind of le- – I was one of the very last – students in a broadcast class at the University of Texas. That that class doesn't exist anymore because right. it's more of a digital encompassing with broadcast class. So um, I knew that the only brand I could ever be loyal to was myself. Yeah. Um, local news, you start in a small market, and then you go to another market, and you go to another market, and everyone's kind of in this large hustle, if you would imagine, trying to get to the top or, or where they want to be ideally in their careers, whether it is you want to work in L.A. or New York or you you know want to work in entertainment, sports. So um, since I knew I could only ever carry my brand, that's the brand I focused on the most. And when was that? Like around what time was this? Um, Facebook. Um, was our main thing in college. Yeah. So I, I kept with that pretty early on. But um, when did you start your own page? I started my own page when I came here to San Diego and I started working at the CW6 that uh, no longer exists, rest in peace. And uh, <laughs> I, I created something there. So I have an outlet and that's where I could put all my stories and things like that. Cause I didn't want to overrun people who were just my friends with all the stuff I'm doing at work because I figured people could get annoyed by it. Sure. Yeah. We uh, try to separate ours, you know, and it's hard. It's you have to find that balance. Yeah. And for me, it's been, been extremely hard to, kind of figure out what to put out, what not to put out and what to keep personal, what not to keep personal. And, you know, it's, you got to figure out what works for you and what your end goals are, you know, and everyone's end goals are are different. So it's not a right or wrong. It's just, you know, what fulfills your, your, your needs. And for me, you know, keeping my personal stuff a little bit more personal um, than business has been, been good for, for what we do here. And as you both said, you're always learning, right? We're always yes. learning new things. Things are always developing and changing. So if you were to scroll to the very back of my Instagram, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see pictures of myself. Right. I like to take pictures of places and other people and things. But then there became a shift where people were interested in what seemed like more specifically in my life. Yes. And that's when if you, I mean, I, I kind of personally, to be honest, with you, I don't I don't like it. I don't right. like that you look at my page and it's a bunch of pictures of me. Sure. But if I were to put a picture of like the most beautiful tropical place you've ever seen you'd be surprised it wouldn't get a lot of traction yeah eight eight likes yeah it's pretty incredible so i tested something out you'll see right here actually for the first time i decided to put up a tweet that i thought was funny in order to maybe i love that was a good tweet yeah to maybe see if people were interested in my like um (laughs) inner thoughts that i put typically on twitter and it did pretty well so then I might, you know, shift that. I won't always screen grab it from Twitter and, and possibly do kind of more meme account things here and there that are more shareable to get more people to end up coming back to what I've got going sure. on and seeing what I do. 
Yeah, I think just exactly what you said. We've never lived in a time that's been so fascinating. I mean, we were, right before you came on the podcast, we were you know, joking about reverse engineering the media, bringing, you know, you cover media, you're in the field, you're out doing all these incredible things, interviewing all these huge celebrities, doing all this incredible stuff. And we're bringing you behind the smoke to talk on a podcast about digital marketing, <laughs> about media, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, stuff that we talked about when we had Scott Heath, the president of Fox 5, you know, he's become such a good friend of the restaurant and friend of Derek and myself. Um, his focus as a leader of Fox 5 is something that really inspires us. It yeah. inspires us because as much as I love San Diego, each news station is different. You know, yeah. each news station has to set themselves apart. The only way you do that is through leadership and the, it's got to come from the top. I want to say something real quick about Fox 5. Um, I absolutely love my job. And there's a big part of that goes to Scott and to Rich. And, and here's why. Back in March of last year when the CW was closing down, we basically got 30 days notice that we were all going to be out of jobs. And everyone was scrambling. Um, some new stations didn't email people back. Some people brought people in and kind of left them hanging because they knew the longer they waited, it would drive down the price. Fox 5... Scott and Rich hired me before CW6 closed down. Wow. Let me work until the end of CW6 there so I could work at both places actually um, and help them because that he knew. He was like, well, they're closing. They're right. not going to have people on air. If you just leave, there's no one else to help with weather, reports, or things like that. At the end of the day, your goal is to get um, information out to San Diegans. And so even though it was technically kind of competition, he let me finish it out there, start at Fox 5, gave me an incredible wage, and... I, I will never forget that, and I will be loyal to them until the end because it's been it's been incredible. And they let me be myself. Like I think if you look at other <laughs> news stations and other personalities, no one else gets to do it's what incredible. I do because they're in boxes, but they they don't put me in a box. There's definitely some pictures I'm sure that they're not crazy about, but um, they know that people like me for me and they want to let me shine and, and bring ultimately bring more viewers to them. Tell us about the difficulty of that. I know being as popular as you were because of the chive, tell, tell us about that experience and kind of how you've tried to position yourself, you know, to utilize that fame, but also to focus on the things that you love to do. Absolutely. So I made a very conscious decision to, to do that chive photo shoot. Um, cause I know my ultimate goal is I want to work in late night television. I want to be more, um, of a comedian than necessarily be a hard newscaster. Sure, sure. And I decided to set myself apart by doing that shoot. A lot of people said, I don't know if you should. Right. And uh, I asked my grandmother and I had a heart to heart with her. And she's like, if that is your ultimate goal and that kind of sets you apart from other newscasters, then why not do it? That's awesome. And um, there were definitely some more racy pictures. At the time, I didn't work for Fox, by the way, so they didn't <laughs> approve it. Um, they kind of got the aftermath of what happened with it. And after it was all said and done and everything was published, everything was really positive um, that I had seen. Now and then I saw a comment, never read the comments, by the way, never yeah. read the comments of anything um, about like, oh, does she even still have a job? These kinds of things. But um, I, I was stoked with them. And, and honestly, when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to be really happy I took those pictures. I, I'm never going <laughs> to look, look like that again. <laughs> have you uh, have you done anything with comedy? What, what's your, uh, you know, I can tell you want to do stuff with that. What, what do you want to do? Do you want to ever do any stand-ups, any... 
So that's the next step. Um, I created a couple of shows. I did a, I created a show called Keeping Tabs for a while that ran on Fox Sports San Diego. It ran for a season, and I was very proud of it because I, I wrote it, I produced it, I edited it. Basically, all I had to do was someone make sure I was framed up the whole time. Right. Um, and it did decently well. Ultimately, at the end, I think Fox Sports San Diego thought it was a little too edgy for what they had because Fox sure. Sports um, didn't need that kind of content. They have a contract signed in with the Padres and they're paid until, you know, maybe 2040. So anything that brings anything slightly negative could be um, something they didn't want to do. And I totally understand that. Um, But then I kind of decided to shift it away from that because it was a lot of work. And if I was going to do it on my own and I wasn't getting paid for it, I wasn't going to have time to really work on other aspects of my career. So I kind of tried to shift it more into the things I said online. Um, And then the next step is once I have a little bit more time, because right now I don't, is to do more stand-up. And I've talked to Rich about it and he was very supportive of it. Cool. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be lines, right? Sure. Now and then I get to a line and Rich is like, back up. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes and, and kind of how far I can push that line. Well, I think one of the coolest things you said earlier is your, the line that you have with your grandmother, you know, that she's been yeah. that support for you to be able to know the true you. And to embrace what your goals are. Talk about your relationship with her. My grandmother is a badass. So um, people don't know this, but I was raised by my grandmother. Um, she, she took me in when I was seven. And she spent the rest of her life and put her life on hold to make sure that I had um, a good education. Um, we weren't exactly a, a rich family growing up. It was just me and her. And so what she did is we had an opportunity in the middle of high school to move me outside of my the small town I grew up in, Texarkana, to a place called Montgomery outside of Houston, which had one of the best schools in the Houston metropolitan area. And um, private, that... Private school or public school? It was a public, public school. school. Yeah, it was a public school. And although she took a pay cut and, um, w- you know, we had to cut back on some things, uh, ultimately, she, I graduated at the top of my class in high school and was able to go to the University of Texas without any problems. And it's all due to her. And she supports me every day. I call her every day. She watches Fox 5. She streams it at That's home. Rad. Oh, That's yeah. So she's she she's very supportive. And when she's here, because she's actually coming at the uh, end of May. I'm flying her out here cool. for Mother's Day, Mother's Day gift. Um, she wants to watch it, too. And she's That's so cool. She's very different from me, though. She will be like brutally honest, but she's a shy woman. <laughs> so like I'm very like out there and so I'll be like grandma let's go to the studio and she's like "Mm, okay like I guess but she I took her there and I could tell she was like kind of nervous being there yeah yeah that's so cool yeah my grandfather raised me and I was I mean you're you talk about those conscious decisions those sacrifices that Mm -hmm. they made to make sure that education was at the front at the front of what she was providing for you and she's put you in a position and she's kept that friendship that best friendship you know it's it's deeper than a a granddaughter relationship. So I have one quick story about her that I will never forget. And that is last year, um, I was, I went to the Emmys. I was nominated last year and she was my date. And I was nervous because, um, <laughs> I believe it or not, I get like nervous about weird things like that. And I, I really wanted to win. And, um, they they come to my category and I had two nominations in one category for a travel show that I had for a little bit. And, as I'm sitting there nervous, she grabs my hands and she looks at me and she just straight up goes, remember to exit left. 
<laughs> and like I'll never forget that because then they call my name and I got right? on stage and she's like you gotta go to the left no right? way yeah yeah that's she so was like rad. don't forget exit left and I was like that's that just proves who she is that's she's such a, great... a cool such a cool moment talk about winning it was really it was a really cool event um, it meant a lot because that episode was the very last episode it was called Private Island St. Lucia and previously I took over Private Islands from a, another producer and host it was someone else's baby and I was kind of thrown at like if you want it you can have it right. um, and I was like okay so what am I going to do with this the first two episodes I tried to make more like the original host because that's what I thought people wanted and this particular one the St. Lucia episode was, was what I felt was my episode and right. I was like I'm going to try something different and I'm going to do it how I would do um, an island episode and then it was the the very last one ever made they shut down AWE um, internal productions and uh, it was the the one that won an Emmy so that's that was so really incredible cool. yeah, yeah that's something we talked about when we had Sam the cooking guy on the podcast is you know he talked about he wanted to do it his way yeah and once he embraced his his mistakes and hit the things that he didn't mind sharing on camera that other people wouldn't share on camera. That's when it really clicked for him. You can become authentic. And when you can do that and, and you can own it more, mm-hmm. we were just talking about it. You know, it's like if you're, if I just sales sell something, I, I'm not very good at it, you know, but it, this, this one was your own yeah. and you can do it. You're, and you're authentic about it and you're so much more vested because it's that much more personal. Everyone can feel that. Yeah. Whether you want to think they can or not, people can feel that within five seconds of Absolutely. you talking like, okay, this person's being themselves. It's exciting. They're actually a person just like me. It's not scripted. Like, <laughs> let's go and let's watch it, you know? And I mean, St. Lucia, fuck. That's, yeah. You know, right. You can't fuck. Up. No, no one so can take beautiful. away the Emmy. No. Yeah. Well, right? technically they can, if I misuse it. They oh, really? What are you, how are you going to misuse re- the Emmy? I thought about doing some funny <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Is, but it, then kind of, I was like, no, is no. it like the Stanley cup? <laughs> yeah. Like you have to be, you have to be good to it. Technically they will own it until I die. So if it ends up in a pawn shop and someone from the Yummy organization, I guess sees it, they, they can just they it. can just take it. You yeah. signed some documents. Yeah, I think I signed. Probably, I probably I signed a bunch. Of I stuff. probably signed some. It's <laughs> too drunk to remember. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, tell us a little bit of the backstory of the comedy, you know, with Conan, and then uh, going to the Colbert Report, and give us some some war stories of inter- oh. interning with oh, such guys. such big media personalities. Yeah. So it's been a while now, but. When I was a senior, I actually was turned down for a internship with The Daily Show at the time with Jon Stewart. And I was, I remember being real upset about it because I really wanted it. And, um, it kind of goes back into this thing that I tell myself when things don't go my way, it's everything happens for a reason. You got to listen to your gut. And it was because I ended up being offered an internship with Conan in Los Angeles, which is where I wanted to be. Anyway, and it's someone else I really wanted to work with and I had supported. He had just lost his show from NBC and was going over to TBS. And um, I made friends there that, again, will be friends for life. And they came from all over the United States. There were 50 interns, I believe. 50 there, interns? There were a lot, Jesus a lot Christ. of Holy interns. Shit. That was the one. So this is the difference. So Conan, there was a lot of interns. And I'm still friends with a lot of people work there. People are very loyal to him because Conan took care of his staff after they were let go of NBC. He paid everyone's salary in those eight months. Wow. Really? He, yeah. He wow. took care of his entire staff. And so people stuck, stayed cool. by him. And he's, everyone pretty much still works there. That's rad. Um, towards the end of that, I was kind of offered a, an opportunity to be an intern at the Colbert Report, which was in New York. Um, How did that come about? That came about because I had met a writer at South by Southwest 
Midwest who worked for The Daily Show. And that's how I originally was able to at least forward my resume to The Daily Show. And he was like, that didn't work out. He knew I worked at Conan, so he forwarded it over to The Colbert Report. Um, this was kind of one of those lucky things. And um, well, you put just, yourself at South I, by Southwest, right? So don't you got to give mean, yourself yeah. a little bit of credit. It, it so all, because of the hustle, you put yourself in the yeah. position to meet somebody, right? I was, yeah, I was working on the red carpet. Up, right? I was followed up, yeah. um, and and I got that one too. But technically, I graduated, so I, I was I moved out to LA the last semester of my senior year of college to do the internship, and I took like some whatever you know those bullshit credits you right. take to, to get financial aid so you can pay to sure. be there. And then I was graduating, and you had to get college credit at the time. And so I then enrolled in a community college to get three hours to do the internship. So then I'm paying to do an internship, but I wanted to work for the Colbert Report very badly. Oh, it was one of my favorite favorite shows. And there I was one of like 12 interns. Wow. Um, so we had a lot of intimate time. I got to follow this guy. At the time was just a writer. His name was Opus. He's now the head writer of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Right. Cool, cool wow. guy. Um, Stephen knew us all by name. Stephen uh, took us out for dinner multiple times and we always made sure we were fed and treated us like we were his staff. And, and those people I'm still friends with. And my best friend out of that place, his name is Joey. Joey is now a segment producer for Last Week Tonight. And last year, we always try to help each other out and get each other work when we can. And last year, he took me as his date to the real Emmys. No way. And I was there when uh, Last Week Tonight won their two Emmys. for. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. And that uh, awesome. just kind of tells you kind of those bonds that you make. And when I was in New York, people don't know this, but this kind of goes into what you talked about, the hustle. Um, it was an unpaid internship. I had saved up a little bit of money past graduation. I got a little bit of money for graduation, but I definitely couldn't afford to live there. Mm-hmm. The housing for three months was like four or $5,000. Oh it was New York God. City. So what I would do is I worked at the Ace Hotel in the morning being like a, a coffee server breakfast person. And then I would get off work at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I would bartend from 6 o'clock until 5 a.m., and then I'd have to be back at the Ace Hotel at 6 a.m. 6, 6 p.m. until 5 a.m.? Mm-hmm, because you have to, it's open until 5 four in New York. Oh, wow. So you clean up at five and then I get back at 6am. So there are many weekends where I would just work 50 hours, just get through it to have the money and then just intern Monday through Friday. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you, did you almost fall asleep? <laughs> yeah, I, um, <laughs> I just kind of kept going and I wouldn't drink on my shifts even though I was allowed to, cause I knew I'd get sleepy. Right. But, um, those are like the things that make you remember like, Oh gosh, it's so good. Like I can just like go home and like go for a bike ride. And Do you have any like, Stephen Colbert stories when he first met you? Oh my gosh, I have a great story. I just remembered. So when I was doing that follow, I was really, really sick. And, but you can't reschedule your, your follow day with Opus. And what is that? The follow day where you follow, like you shadow someone okay. who's, who, and see what their job is really like. So okay. towards the end of the day, I was really sick. I had taken some cold medicine and I'm in a writer's meeting. I fall asleep. I fall asleep (laughs) and listen. And that is when Steven came in to grab and talk to a writer. And I heard Tabitha, Tabitha. And I just opened my eyes and I I was so embarrassed. I couldn't believe I fell asleep in the writer's meeting. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget that. That's hilarious though. That's a shit that, I mean, fuck, I've I've done it in uh, football meetings. I'll just be like my hands on my head and I'm just like watching film. And all of a sudden like, Fall asleep. Yeah. And I was like, Derek, I'm like, what? You're snoring. Yeah, you're snoring. <laughs> Sorry. <You're> loud. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
My bad. Uh, but, you, but you had someone watching your back, right? Oh, someone, gosh. someone woke you up. Before, yeah, before top, of the, top of the. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, I was with the you know Opus and the executive producers. So I shouldn't have been asleep anyway, but uh, that happened. Did you have any challenging times outside of working your ass off so that your eyeballs are bleeding? Um, you know, while you were doing stuff like that. You know, I don't think so. I think work was just, I mean, finances was the hardest part of Mm -hmm. everything I've ever done. And um, I've just learned early on, if you want something, you're going to have to work for it. And And you have to sacrifice. Yeah. And so um, I've, I've tried to just... I don't know. That's part of that. Everything happens for a reason. I've been kind of lucky is there have been times when I've gotten down to $5 in my bank account and like a couple of days before payday. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work out. And somehow it does. So, um, just keep on the hustle and then start putting money back when you can. (laughs) Yeah. When you're talking about all your, the interns and how close you guys are, I think it's, you guys probably draw this camaraderie because, from the outside looking in, I mean, it looks like, oh, you guys are just having so much fun. You get to do all these cool things, but they don't realize how much hard work that it is. So now you're like this little group of people that actually know how fucking hard it is. So yeah. you guys can relate to each other even more. So if you're talking about Joey, you know, you guys understand each other that much more than anybody else can. I mean, like I said, I don't get it because it's not something I've had to do. But uh, that's that's the same thing when it comes to sports. You know, you, you, you're you drawn to those people because you can relate to them. You can you have that camaraderie and uh you know like we said our some of our best friends are from those those times or to have your back when you when you fuck up because yeah. that and, definitely and happened to, too and they know what what you know what you've done and they've probably done it before and how to get yeah. out of it and shit like that but and they're I willing to call you on your bullshit too. yeah yeah that's that's a big thing Derek calls me on my bullshit all the time okay. i'm trying you need someone <laughs> I, know. Check. I, know. I know so out of all these things you know the the diver um jetpack pilot we didn't even touch on that how do you Jetpack. Do you want me to touch on that? Okay, so um, I came to San Diego without a job in media, and I taught people how to fly those water jetpacks out of Mission Bay. Okay, so you went from Texas to LA, then to San Diego. So here's how I went: went Texas to Los Angeles to New York, back to LA, down to San Diego. Gotcha. Yeah, for a time there, I was um, I did audience coordinating for a lot of like uh, bigger shows like Chelsea Lately or Dancing with the Stars, um, and then I also um, I also worked as a reporter in Palmdale, California, for a little bit, there you and then go. I came down here to, without a job, and um, I basically would uh, come to work barefoot, make ten dollars an hour, teach people how to fly these, and it was also some of the best times of my life. That's so right. Jetpack America. Jetpack There's, America. Is there a weight limit? Um, That's a good you, question. No, you're, I think you'd be good. They're 450 pounds. We've maxed it out at. Oh, wow. 450 So we would pounds. put someone wow. on it, and then someone held on to the back. It's not exactly the safe way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw Warren Sapp was doing it out in Florida uh, like two weeks ago. So, yeah. But he's lost Warren a lot of Sapp. weight. He's lost he's so much weight. Boy. He's yeah. lost so much really? weight. I bet you he's... Two seven, two sixty, two seventy right now. Wow. Yeah, I'm about thirty pounds over that. So <laughs> there he uh, is. I'm still three hundred. Tr- try to find a picture of him uh, jetpacking. Tell us. Uh, he was like diving. Tell us about s- scuba diving with great whites. Oh, so that was cage diving. Cage diving. And I was yeah. Rad. It was incredible. Islander charters. Have you always wanted to do that? Since you yes, like got into diving, absolutely. I if I could have, list I would thing. have not been in a cage. If I had the opportunity, I'm not, I'm not I would have been on the shark. I would have. I would have wanted to get a little closer. Um, there he is. Do you see him? Yeah. Oh, there he is. There he is That's on the flyboard. Wow. Four thousand. 
Warren Sapp. It's legit. Oh, that's on a flyboard? It's a flyboard. What's yeah. the difference? Flyboard's on your feet, jetpack's on your back. Oh, oh duh. There you right. go. Just learn something. Hey, he's not getting very high. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Good with it. He's we'll we'll actually uh, put a link of Warren Sapp's uh, <laughs> flyboard video in the show notes. Everything we talk about today, um, we'll put great. links in there. Um, all of Tabitha's accolades, for sure. <laughs> oh, um because you've been doing some really cool stuff. I think it's uh, you have this willingness to be uncomfortable. Oh, but yeah. Tell, tell us about that. I think that's where you thrive is, is when you get to that point where you're uncomfortable and you've got to figure your own way out. That's where you can really find some gold. That's where that's where life is best lived. And that's part of why this was a really great experience for me. Um, it, looking at a great white shark in your face is, is probably one of the, the coolest things I could recommend to anyone. If you want a reminder of why it's great to be on this planet. Yeah. Just finding that comfort and being uncomfortable. Those are the times that you, you grow the most. And yeah. we talk about it time and time again. And it's, I mean, you know, the vulnerability, I mean, even for me with working out and stuff, it's like, just, I have to go and just basically submit and, know that I'm, I'm going to get my ass kicked and I know I'm going to be uncomfortable and I know, but I'm going to fucking push through it and just keep going. And that's, that's like he said, that's just where the growth is made. And that's where you find out who you really are because it's easy when things are easy. You know, that's, that's the, I mean, anyone can go through that. It's when you're uncomfortable, like, who are you? What, what kind of character do you really have? And you learn yeah. so much about yourself. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's fucking like, man, I just learned that I'm a little bitch. I, do not, <laughs> I don't fucking do all that stuff. And, you know, but you, those, those are the things that you, you learn about yourself and to be self-aware. It's, uh, if it was well, easy, everyone would do it. It's a trip. That's what man. they say. It's a, it's a trip. Whoever they are, I fucking love them. <laughs> they know everything. Yeah. I mean, one of the things for us just doing this podcast, I mean, it's definitely was uncomfortable getting on the mic and interviewing people every week. And I, you know, it's uncomfortable for me and it certainly was uncomfortable for Derek and I commend him for getting along on this podcast journey because it's been so cool for us to sit down kind of as journalists, kind of as yeah. people doing our own investigation, learning people's why, learning their background story, learning how different leaders approach different aspects of business. I mean, having Ernie Hahn come in here or Scott Kaplan or talking yeah. to Jim Trotter about ESPN and the, you know, the state of sports media and, you know, why he's making the leap to NFL network and, you know, what Bristol's like and all those different things. It's fascinating because in 2018, I mean, it's a different playing field. The internet has changed so many aspects of the business. Um, one of the cool things we talked to Trotter about was he had a, a meeting when he was working for Sports Illustrated where they got all the senior writers together and they talked about the initiative to start doing Twitter. And half of the, actually probably, I think 90% of the room said, we're not doing Twitter. We're too good for that. We're writers. <laughs> and Jim was like, well, I can't be a dinosaur. And yeah. like, that was one of the things that he embraced. And one of the things we talk about through digital marketing is being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, for me, I made fun of Corey Robinson, who we opened up the restaurant with for having a Facebook page. You know, I told him, Hey, what are you just trying to pick up girls until it was like, Oh, we can have a Facebook page to bring people into the restaurant. So then we started doing Facebook and then we started doing Twitter and none of it was comfortable. Yeah. You know, tweeting isn't comfortable. You know, getting on Snapchat's not comfortable. Talk about kind of what you've seen with people in the media business that have done it successfully and those that are w unwilling to do it. I would say 
this is a whole, this is its own job, social media. Um, it is rare that I can go somewhere and enjoy something without the expectation that there will be media provided from that experience. Um, but that's what I signed up for. That's part of the brand that I built. And I know that if I'm, you know, invited to do something, or even if when I'm at work, as we said earlier, when I sat down here, I was like, hold on a second. Let me make sure everyone knows that I'm doing this podcast. So I tweeted it. I put it on my Facebook story. I put it on my personal page. I put it on my, um, professional page and you have to do it all separately. You can't tie them in because there's algorithms that know if you've tied them in. It's, it's kind of a mess, but at the same time you get to a point at some point where um, it becomes second nature. Yeah. It becomes second nature, but it also goes back to what we're talking about. It creates those different opportunities that you never thought would ever po be possible. Yeah. You know, for us just doing this podcast, we get to interview people like Scott Minto, who's the director of the MBA sports MBA program up at SDSU. And there's no reason for a single unit barbecue <laughs> restaurant owner and a butcher shop owner to talk to the program director. But we talked to him, have this incredible conversation. And now we have eight interns from SDSU that are going to help us with our Del Mar barbecue championship event. That's awesome. You know, and like we couldn't get a better group of interns. It is pretty fucking cool. It's incredible. And they're, they're, I mean, and they're, they're, they're very, very impressive. Yeah. You know, like the top of the class and. Well, um, you're in the fucking MBA. Yeah. You're, Num you're number three globally ranked education. program. Yeah, it's very impressive. And Fuck. you guys are great, by the way. Like, as a reporter, it's weird for me to be on this side, but I, like, love, like, watching you and your notes. It's oh. great. Yeah. yeah, I'm a notes guy. That's just, I've always been like that. That was my, my grandfather. He <laughs> he was always the studious one, the one that was always trying to learn. Every time when, when I would travel with him, I was telling Derek the other day, as we would go, you know, we went throughout Europe to help write his book, and we would stop at every single castle there was and he would be the person like pulling every single pamphlet out you know how they have all the different pamphlets i'm like yeah. grandpa why are you doing like you know let's, let's go he always wanted information and it was like all in that information where he would find that nugget that would get us to some incredible adventure that we would have never had that opportunity otherwise totally yeah. what do we have to uh, look forward to ne what's next for you what are you gonna do what's what are you striving to do i mean there's got i mean done a lot a lot <laughs> in a short you're just getting started I'd like to think. I'd like to think that I haven't just even gotten to the stadium started. yet. Right? right? Not even inside the stadium. I'm not in the no. stadium. Still, still in the ticket line. But um, you know, on this journey, I, I've met a lot of great people. I've gotten a lot of good advice from people. And there's one piece of it, of a nugget of of information that someone gave me, and that was Tabitha. You're really you're really good at what you do. But he goes, I want you to remember, as you get down this corridor, and that corridor gets narrower and narrower and narrower, the people who are also in that corridor with you are at your level. They are just as good. It's like you have to figure out something to set yourself apart. Differentiate so, yourself for sure. Yeah. So I've got to create a market for people to want what I have to provide. Mm -hmm. And that's the next step is um, I don't know what's going to happen next, but mm -hmm. I know that uh, it's going to be awesome. Well, one of the things before we get out is I did want to talk about mentorship. And I know your grandmother obviously is a huge influence in your life, but uh, someone that's very special to us here on this podcast is CS Keys. Um, he became such a close friend because of Fight Club, because of Jeff Dotseth and because of Jim Trotter. And, you know, it was because of Twitter. I sent out a tweet. Jim was promoting his Junior Seau book. And uh, he was on the Dave and Jeff uh, radio show when they were on 1360. And I told him, come out to fight night. And we we had this this brotherhood over our love of boxing and you know cs was just this incredible man that i mean he 
he just told it like it was and he didn't give a shit who the hell you were and he just told it like it was and he was fucking personality oozing out of his out of his veins yeah tell us uh, about your relationship with cs so cs was always a big supporter of me in the broadcast industry and um I also I got my start in San Diego at the CW6. So I was there. I left for a while. I came back. And he worked there, too, at the same time. And I told him I wanted to get into sports because at no point in my career had I had the opportunity to report on sports. And CW6 did not have a sports program, but he had a sports background. And, you know, he would fill in and he would do weather for CW6. And so he did a couple of things when he started his radio program. And the main thing was he set it up for me to come on. And he's like, Tabitha, I want you to come on. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals. Um, he's like, here are some talking points that you can have, and you can take that piece of tape. He made sure I had it. That's so rad. And um, he cut it for me, and he gave it to me, and he's like, this is something you can take around to different places in San Diego and be like, yeah, you're like I, I can do sports commentating. Um what was cool about that, he also then gave me the email for the head of Fox Sports San Diego, who I later ended up working for. And I only got that email because of CS Keys. And he followed up with them. Um, I would go see him at Trivia sometimes. And my favorite thing <laughs> Tilted about Tilted Kilt Trivia? Tilted Kilt Trivia. He would have a it's girl so, on so, each so, arm. Oh. Totally. And a girl in his lap. And I'd be like, Every CS, what, what are we doing? Yeah, He'd be like, Tabby, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm going to be sitting here for a while, but there's nowhere to sit because all the girls are sitting on you. Right. Um, but he um, he really was a big supporter. And when I got the job at Fox, I remember you know him being like proud of you. And it, honestly, it was because of him. And he encouraged me to just do whatever I had to do to make sure people knew I could do it. And he gave me a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, he the he always cared deeply about the work that Derek and I were doing um, with our barbecue events, and he would bring his daughter, and whether it was in Del Mar, whether it was in Spring Valley, uh, it meant so much for him. Like, if you were in his circle, which was a, a tight circle, yeah. like, he would do fucking anything for yeah, you. And, you know, there's very few people that had the personality like he did, and I was fortunate to meet his uh, his mother and his aunts, and they came out, you know, unfortunately after he passed, but I sat there and had uh, dinner with them and fuck, I can't imagine how funny those family reunions must have right? been because that was, they were, they were CS, that <laughs> was CS's mom. Holy shit. Oh, they I were so it. funny. Just amazing people. Um, so tell us, uh, how can people find you? How can they interact with you? interact with me any way that you want i have a <laughs> <laughs> Did, digitally reach out Digital. be, be careful yeah our, our uh, listeners <laughs> might uh be in the dms really quick yeah i do the people don't know i have another inbox i see all your dms by the way i just don't <laughs> respond to all them your, all your dirty dms don't worry <laughs> i see, I them, see them stop asking for feet pictures oh, right um, that's, that's so creepy <laughs> On Twitter, Instagram, it's at Tabitha Lipkin. On Facebook, it's at Tabitha Lipkin Official. And, um, you know, I've got some cool things in the works. I may even start a blog soon. Podcast? Um, a po- I would love to start a podcast. So I talked to Scott Heath. I, I told Scott, if you're going to go podcast, you got to go Tabitha. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you know, he, I mean, I love Scott because he is just not afraid to break down any wall. Do you, you know, know? Just because it's Fox 5 doesn't mean that he oh. isn't willing to partner with AHL and the San Diego Gulls and put them in high def yeah. on fucking primetime. And that's rad. Scott is forward thinking. You know who Scott reminds me of? He is the, he is, uh, gosh, what is the guy? The main guy from Parks and Recreation, the boss. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I know who, I know uh, what he looks the handsome, like. Yeah. The handsome one that everyone loves. 
with a big smile, who's always like running and working out and always super happy. Like he, he, his curiosity remind, uh, reminds Rob Lowe, me. Rob Lowe's yes, character. Yes. yes. It reminds me of my grandfather. I mean, it's just always, we met him in San Antonio yes. on the Gulls trip and the Gulls had Cal Coast Credit Union. They had Fox 5 and then they had Cali Comfort Barbecue. And me and my wife, we met Scott and we were down right in San Antonio in, in the midst of hundreds of people. And he's like, so great to meet you. He engaged with us immediately. He wanted to know everything about our business and everything about who we were and what we were doing. And then next thing you know, he was gone. And like two minutes later, he came back and he had like six stories. I was like, how did you get so many different stories about the lady with the hat and why she's yeah. here and what she's doing? And, and I mean, he's, he's always so positive. Like the, it's always positive. It's always positive. It's always positive. Yeah. That's, uh, That's hosp- leadership. hospitality, blood type. It's yeah. uh, be positive, right? Absolutely. He's awesome. I mean, we just enjoy him so much. And like I said, the, the forward thinking that he's doing, because I mean, it, it sucks, but it's, you know, like you, you said, it was, uh, you know, this phone is going to kill news pretty soon if you don't jump on board with the social media side of it. And um, it's good to see that he's all in. Well, I mean, so. it's incredible. When the fires happened, we were watching, Corey and I were watching Fox 5's coverage through Facebook mm-hmm. because it was easier for us where we were in the field, like out yeah. for us to watch that coverage, which is incredible. And that's, you know, you have to have your, you have to have the pulse of the industry and Fox five is leading the way, which is really cool for us to watch. And it's great to be a part of that team. I'm so proud when people ask where I work, right? I don't, I couldn't work anywhere else in San Diego. Sorry, yeah. San Diego. This cool. is it. So, uh, we do have a social shout out every week, uh, for people that are following along barbecue war stories page. They're tagging us and they're behind the smoke photos. This is a butcher shop in Israel oh. that, nice. um, has been tagging us and it's, I don't know. Can you read that? Let's. Uh, you give him a shout out because I don't know. I don't know what my. You know, he just, he just handed this to me because this is hard to pronounce. I'm going to say it wrong. At Bisharawanani. Yes. Yep. There you go. There you go. Bashara Hanawani Butcher Shop in Israel. That is in Israel. In Jara, is that right? Jara, Israel. I think it's Hafa. Hafa. I think it's Hafa. My Israeli is not good. <laughs> Guys, I am Jewish, but I don't want to, like now they're gonna think they're gonna be like she's not one of us. She right. has no idea. Well, e- either way, we're gonna send him a behind the smoke uh, mug out there. Um, thank you for tagging us in your photos. We're really humbled that so many people are listening all over the globe. Um, your love of fire, your love of business, your love of digital marketing. Derek and I are humbled um, that people are tuning in. Even later this week, we have the founder of UG, Brian Smith, is going to be coming on. Uh, for our next podcast episode, which is going to be really cool. It's going to be about, awesome. Talk about his, Sorry, I can't uh, fucking wear them because my fucking feet sweat <laughs> way too much. Talk I, about his book, uh, The Birth of a Brand. Dude, um, he's, yeah. he's a badass. badass. I, just, I just bought my son uh, some baby Uggs. Did you? You know how we roll. Poor kid. Poor he's kid. sweating. Poor kid. That's just how we do it. But Tabitha, thank you so much for coming behind the smoke. We're uh, we're honored to have you. Thank you for spending the time with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Time to eat. I know. I've been... I've had these for an hour. Time to eat. Time to eat. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys. This is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on. We want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. 
We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes. So anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.